You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Bills Mafia, we know there's only one topic every day, all Bills, all the time. And now Matt Bovey and Sal Capaccio are going really deep, talking Bills all year long, because it's always game day in Buffalo. Well, let's start by saying Happy New Year to everybody. 2024 is here. It's hard to kind of get into New Year's today, tonight, for me, as we record this podcast. The Bills just played a football game, and it's like, wait a minute. Matt and I, we're talking at 8.44 here as we get on this to, to record this. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's New Year's, but Happy New Year, Matt. Happy New Year to you and our producer, Mike Robbie, and everybody who's listening, obviously. Yeah, Happy New Year to everybody. I hope that 2024 treats all of you well. I hope that you can enjoy this year with those you love, those you care about, and just hope you have health and happiness. I think that's all we can ask for. Apologize in advance. If you hear, I said the same thing to Mike when we got on the call here. If you hear any swearing or cursing coming from me during this podcast, Uh-oh. it is because I am in my fantasy football championship and I am playing against Justin Jefferson. And if Justin okay. Jefferson has an okay game or a bad game, I will win. If he has a good game, I will lose. So I am doing this podcast and have the TV on in the background and just really hoping that he does not ruin my night. Well, I am in our fantasy media media fantasy championship mm-hmm. that you're in. I'm playing John Scott and he's crushing me. And that's because he had CD lamb. Basically that's why he's going to win by so much, but yeah, and he's way, still going to be more than that, but yeah, he's actually still going to lose to John Warrow on the crossover too. because his I team know. has been just Those absolutely ridiculous. So yeah. So kudos to everybody in their fantasy championships, anybody who's won a league or, you know, anybody who's won a little bit of coin. So Jordan listen, Love just gonna... threw a dot 10, nothing. This is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do today is Matt's going to give us some play-by-play as we go on from the uh, Sunday night game here today. Well, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the Bills game against the Patriots, of course. But, you know, really our our focus is going to be more on big picture and what's going on in week 18 and beyond because I think that's what people are concerned concerned about. And as we sit here right now, we do not know when the Bills are playing week 18. That hasn't been decided. It could happen while we're talking to each other. Halftime of Sunday Night Football. It could happen at the end of Sunday Night Football. We don't know. If we get it, we'll do it. But by the time you listen to this, you're going to know. Just know that we aren't sure yet as we Mm -hmm. talk and record this podcast. What we do know, though, is what it will take for the Bills to get into the playoffs or be left out of the playoffs and what the stakes are for that game next week against the Miami Dolphins. 
<laughs> do you want to start with just how this game unfolded and then get to what week 18 means? We can do it that way if you want. Yeah, for sure. So I think that for the Patriots game specifically, it was one of the sloppiest halves of football from an offensive standpoint that they have had in the entire Josh Allen era. That's not just this season. That's not just with Joe Brady. It's in the last five years. They looked so lost in the first half. They had four forced turnovers, and they were only up six points at the half because they were settling for field goals. They got one touchdown on a Josh Allen quarterback sneak, but besides that, it was forced field goals, and it just looked like they were so out of sync. I don't think Josh completed a pass until like his seventh or eighth attempt attempt of the first half. He finished the first half with 46 yards. Mm -hmm. They just looked so not in rhythm, no chemistry. It didn't look like there were any easy throws. And it also wasn't a great game from Josh. It's been a couple games where it hasn't been a great game from Josh. I think that people are always quick to defend him because he is one of the best players in the NFL. But we also can stand here and say that he did not play a very good game. He made some good plays in the second half, but didn't have an overall good game. If that's the game they bring to Miami, I am very concerned about their chances of going to the playoffs. But as we have said on this podcast, I've said on Channel 7, they are good enough to win any game they play and inconsistent enough to win or lose any game that they play. So it's all about which Bills show up. Is it going to be the sloppy Bills we saw in the first half against the Patriots? Or is it going to be the team we saw dismantle the Cowboys or the team that you know went on the road and beat Kansas City? Like Which team is it going to be? Agreed. And as far as the Josh point, 100% on board with you. Last week, I thought he was off against the Chargers. Uh This week, I thought he was off, but I just think the offense more so was off this week. Last week, I thought that there were opportunities and he didn't cash in. He missed some throws. Um, Uh This week, there were three drop passes. Latavius Murray had one. uh, I think there was four. uh, Yeah, there you go. James Cook. I almost said Dalvin. James Cook had one. But there were were drop passes in this game. Um, Trent Sherfield. So, but there wasn't great protection in this game. They protected him a little bit better last week, although that wasn't great. So I think that to me, it was more of a all-encompassing issue with the offense this week against a well-coached defense that was missing starters and you should have been better against. Um, But last week, I thought that it was a more poor game from Josh specifically. That said, boy, Matt, this did not put this team away. You got to put a team away like the New England Patriots. And again, like last time they played. They left them hanging around, and it almost cost them towards the end of the game. Patriots pull within six, and this is the MO of this team this year, and that's what's scary. They let these poor teams hang around, like the Jets wind up beating them, like the Broncos wind up beating them, like the Giants who almost do, the Buccaneers who almost do, the Chargers who almost do, um, and then here are the Bengals who did earlier in this year, and the Bengals again. That cannot keep happening. That's not a good recipe for this Buffalo Bills team. That's what they did here, but the good news was they made enough plays, especially on defense, which we can talk about, to get by and then the offense made a few plays here or there to kind of put the game away at the end as they needed to. Yeah. The overarching thing here, and this is really tricky because they have not even clinched a playoff spot yet. There's a very good chance that it's win or, you know, go home against Miami. We'll talk more about that later. I do think that their identity though, has kind of been play up to your opponents and play down to your opponents and Miami. They are not going to play down to Miami's a good team even though a lot of people here don't think they are. And then in the playoffs, obviously everybody's a good team. 
if they win against Miami, there is a chance they are hosting multiple playoff games, mm-hmm. not going on the road until potentially the AFC Championship, which you know every Bills fan would sign up for right now if you knew that's how these next few weeks are going to play out. Uh, it is concerning that they let these teams and they let inferior opponents hang around with them. I just think that the margin for this team, the margins are not as great and big as they used to be. They used to kill teams. They used to blow them out. They don't really do that anymore, but I don't think that that's a surprise because I just don't think they're as good of a team as they once were. But I also would tell you, I think that the same thing can be said for most of the AFC, except for Baltimore right now. They're playing at such a high level in all three phases, but it is a razor-thin margin for all of these teams. Look at everything that's going on. Look at Kansas City, right? I mean, look Uh at Kansas City. The Bengals just missed the playoffs. I know, Joe Burrow, right? I mean, of course, that's a big deal with that, but look at all the teams fighting for the last playoff spot. So I think that's what you're seeing around the league. It's parity. We got spoiled a little bit for a few years there with this offense and the way that they could just blow teams out of the water. But there is a point to be made of. This team has to be able to play better in these games against teams where they should put them away early. They let them hang around, and that's a recipe that's playing with fire, and they almost wind up getting burnt in this one. Um, As far as the offense is concerned, they couldn't get much going in the running game in this one. The running game has been there. seems like teams have kind of figured out that tackle trap play they like to run with James Mm -hmm. Cook. So has... Is, do you think that what's happened here is maybe there's enough film now on a Joe Brady offense that teams are starting to catch up to it a little bit? I think so. I think that's a little bit of it. I also think that it's situational. The team that they went against yeah. today has a very strong run defense. So yeah. for the Bills, I don't think they were trying to establish it too much because they went into this game, I'm assuming, with a game plan of where they're weak is in the secondary. And if we attack them there and if our line holds up, we should have some opportunities to stretch the field and to hit on some big plays. And some of those were there. They were not there early in the game, but they were there later in the game. And that was the bit of poor execution that we're talking about from Josh Allen. So I think it's a little bit of people starting to understand Joe Brady. I think that he has just kind of like today when it gets Belichick, right? And Mm -hmm. it looks like in the first half they were being ridiculously outcoached and then in the second half they made some adjustments and they finally started to move the ball but I don't know if it's too much of people figuring them out I think it's more poor execution than it is other people knowing what they're going to do well the Bills now have to go on the road to Miami and one thing they can lean on I think at least is a really really good defense which showed up again against the New England Patriots with threats to our nation waiting around every corner adaptability is more important than ever when conditions change without notice Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem-solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Hey, it's Sal Capaccio from It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. It's not just a podcast. It's the 25th hour of your day. Your weekly source for all things Buffalo Bills. Right on time, your time. 
In the car, navigate the streets with NFL wisdom in your ear. We accompany every errand you need to run. Washing the windows or vacuuming the carpets? Don't just clean, conquer. Podcasts make you more productive because we fit perfectly into your schedule. Follow It's Always Game Day in Buffalo in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. Matt, the Bills offense has struggled a little bit here the last couple of weeks. Now, overall, I think they played pretty well since, the Joe, since Joe Brady took over. The last couple of weeks, it hasn't been very good. But boy, the defense just keeps bailing them out, even when that happens, like they did last week a couple of times against the Chargers. Had to get the ball back. And then this week, in this game against the New England Patriots, how about four turnovers in the first half? Four turnovers in the six, first six offensive drives for the Patriots, not counting the, obviously, the uh, kickoff return. One of them goes for a pick six by Russell Douglas, but this defense was getting after the ball. That's something they're doing very well right now. And they are the, kind of the, the unit that this, this group has, the team, has kind of ridden here over the last couple of weeks to victory. Rasul Douglas is so good. He's so he is good. such an elite cornerback. And mm-hmm. I don't think that any of us thought that he was going to come in and have this level of success right away. We all knew he was a good player in the way that everybody in Green Bay talked about him on and off the fields. They praised him immediately. What a find. I mean, they gave up a third-round pick for him, and he's under contract again next season. I loved what he said after the game about the level of confidence that he's playing with and how he feels like he fits in on this defense. He basically said, the guys behind me allow me to play aggressive, and that lets me make these big plays because I trust that if I jump around, the guys behind me will stop it so it's not a huge gain or so we don't get gashed too much. In the comparison that he used with Steph Curry, he's like, when Steph Curry is shooting, he just keeps shooting. Even on nights when he's not having a great night, he just keeps shooting because shooter, he's shoot. one of the best shooters ever. Shooters shoot. And I think Douglas is like, on nights when you feel like you got it, keep going. Keep trying to make plays. And if I don't make the play, I have the faith that someone behind me will. So he's been awesome. And Ed Oliver, oh my gosh. Ed Oliver, you could argue, has been the most valuable player on this defense for the entire season. He had another terrific game. Let me give you a couple of stat lines. First of all, Rasul Douglas, we just talked about him a moment ago. Rasul Douglas, in this game, he had two interceptions. One went for a pick six. He also broke up two more passes. One of them led to another interception by Ed Oliver. He had a pair of tackles as well. I think he's going to win AFC Defensive Player of the Week honors. I mean, I don't know who else could have a better stat line than Rasul Douglas. And then Ed Oliver makes the great hustle play to intercept the first pass of the game, first Mm -hmm. offensive play of the game for the Patriots. It's batted by Douglas. Here comes Oliver trailing backside. He winds up making the interception. He had a pair of tackles, a sack as well, and a pass breakup on his own after a deflection. So you're right about that. And how about the return of Daquan Jones? Obviously very needed for the Bills going forward. But the other thing that happened in this game defensively, the Bills sat Von Miller. Coach's decision, Matt. This was not Mm -hmm. because of any legal situation that's going on. This was not because of any health concerns or situations. This is because they felt that he didn't give them the best chance to win. He doesn't, and he hasn't shown that up to this point. And now that A.J. Epinesa is available, he gives them more. Shaq Lawson gives them more because Shaq Lawson can come and be a strong run defender for you at the edge. Obviously, they like Leonard Floyd and Greg Rousseau more. I think that next week they'll have Vaughn active, I think, just because it's a big game. And I think you want to trust one of your big time players in those big time games. But it was pretty interesting to me that they sat him in this game as a healthy scratch, essentially, just because he hasn't played well. And maybe this will be a message to him that, hey, we need you to be way better than you have been. 
because if not, you're not even going to be dressed. Special teams had a bit of an uneven day. It started off pretty bad. Kickoff mm-hmm. return for a touchdown by Jalen Rager on the opening kickoff. Remember last year against New England at home, Naeem Hines has it. it was incredible, obviously. This time it goes the other way. Not a good start for the Bills. But Matt, Sam Martin was incredible. Yeah. Six punts all inside the 20-yard line. I did the numbers here. I want to read this to you, okay? After punts, following punts, here are the Patriots drive starts. Their own 18-16, 5-8-16, and three-yard lines. Incredible. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. Almost all of his punts, I think he averaged almost 48 yards a punt, which is really good, especially considering, you know, they're playing outside and the conditions aren't, I guess, ideal to always be punting in. So that's now two games in a row that Sam Martin has done a good job because he was also very good against the Chargers last week. So that's a good sign for them because punting has been a problem. And as ridiculous as that sounds, these are the little things in big time games that are sometimes the difference. It's Mm -hmm. field position. It's can you make a big play? Can you make sure you don't get gashed? The first thing I posted on uh, social media right after the opening kickoff return is that is how you allow a bad team to hang around when you allow plays like that to happen. So those Mm -hmm. are things that they need to clean up, especially when you go against good teams because you go against good teams and you spot them seven points. You might put yourself in a hole immediately that you cannot climb out of. Luckily for them, they were going against the Patriots today. But yeah, Sam Martin was good, and Tyler Bass was good. Yeah, Tyler Bass, five for five. Thanks for mentioning that. Um, He connected on all of his extra points, all of his field goals. He's had a good last few weeks after having an uneven couple of months, I think. October, November weren't Mm -hmm. great for him. December's been very good, and hopefully rolls into January, the same thing. All right, so anything else on this game you just want to touch on? Anything? Bill Belichick, I mean, big embrace with Sean at the end of the game, kind of maybe maybe his last game. Yes, I'm sorry. I'm looking at the TV. Jordan Love yeah. can play. Jordan loves a good. Jordan Love reminds me of young Josh Allen. The way oh that he moves around the pocket and the throws that he can make and the things that he can do off scripts. But yes, Bill Belichick hugged Sean McDermott like somebody who thinks they just coached their last game against the Bills inside of the stadium. Now maybe he will go somewhere where they end up playing the Bills again, but that to me was kind of like, I don't want to say a passing of the torch, but a, hey, I've really respected going against you for the last several years. Because keep in mind, the Bills did not have a lot of continuity at head coach. Now they have. So these guys have played against each other several times, and I do think there is a mutual respect between both of them. There have been fiery moments, even dating back to when I used to shoot the games right at the beginning of Sean's tenure, 2017, 2018, 2019. There were chippy moments between these teams. There were words exchanged with them, shaking hands. Oh, my gosh. The one that immediately comes to mind is the Gronkowski people's elbow on Tredavious White, which was such a cheap shot, but Sean like called Belichick out when they were shaking hands and Belichick had to apologize. And it's been an entire thing. But to me, uh, that like the was a, that comes to my mind is Sean telling Steve Belichick to get off the field, stop watching his team warm up in the beginning of the game warmups. That was 2019. Uh huh. I think so. Yeah, that was, that right. was 2019. Yeah, yeah, there's been a lot of them. There's been a lot of them. So I do think that they both, really respect and appreciate each other. It sounds like Mike McDaniel feels that same way about Sean McDermott, and I'm sure the feeling is mutual. Bill Belichick is going to end up somewhere. Bill Belichick is going to go be a head coach, and he's going to probably get to be the GM somewhere. I still think he's going to end up at the Chargers, but who the heck knows? I I just think he's going to go until he gets the record. All right. 
you'd mentioned Mike McDaniel. So let's um let's save this. Let's do a little longer um, last several minutes here on you know next week and the Dolphins and the Bills as we look forward to Week 18. Okay, Mike McDaniel uh, talked today at the podium after the Dolphins played. He addressed three big injuries to this team. Hey, everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Xavier Howard has a foot injury. They do not know his status for next week or even r- what the injury actually is against mm-hmm. the Bills. Tua Tungavailoa yep. appears to be okay. He did injure his left shoulder, his throwing shoulder. And Matt Bradley Chubb probably yeah. tore his ACL as we sit here right now. That's what it looks like. They're already down Jalen Phillips. They're already down Connor Williams. Um, they have a lot of injuries. This is a Miami Dolphins team that's going to be wounded. The Bills have to mm-hmm. go there. They have to win. And everything is on the line. The two seed. The two seed. After all of this. They can be the two seed, which they were last year, by the way, at the end of the season. Yeah, for sure. It is amazing. And I think that they have a great opportunity to go into Miami and get the win. They are favored in this game. The line opened up at about two, two and a half at most places. That surprised me. I thought the Dolphins were going to be favored in this game. I am genuinely concerned if it's a win and be the two seed or lose and go home and it feels like it's kind of shaping up that way because they did not get a lot of help from around the league today right but i still think that this is a team that they can beat i think most bills fans will immediately go back to the game week four and say well the last time we played them we won by 28 what do we got to be concerned about and they're more banged up yeah they're more banged up but so are the bills bills had matt milano in that game the Bills had Tredavious White in that game. The Bills had a fully healthy Daquan Jones in that game. They had a Stefan Diggs who still looked like one of the elite wide receivers in the NFL who has not been like that for a month and a half in that game. Khalil Shakir had a huge game. Like They had a lot of guys in that day contribute. Josh Allen had five total touchdowns. Josh Allen does not look like a guy who could score five total touchdowns the way he played against the Patriots. They can flip a switch. Josh has been incredibly good against that Dolphins team. But leaving it down to one game basically makes it a playoff game before you even get to the playoffs. And to me, that's dicey. That's concerning. You want to, I think the best case scenario for the Bills, obviously, would be if the game is Sunday night. And by that point, they know that they're in because one of either the Jags or the Steelers lost. And then they're just playing for seeding. Right. So let's walk through that real quick. The scenario for the Bills to get into the playoffs is A, win against Miami. That takes care of everything. And it gets in the two seed. Or B, if they happen to lose, they have to have either the Jaguars <coughs> excuse me, lose to the Titans in a game yep. where the Titans are playing out the string. Although, it's AFC South, Mike Vrabel and the Titans would love to spoil the Jack- Jacksonville Jaguars season. I can guarantee you that. Yeah. Or have the Steelers lose to the Ravens in what probably is going to amount to their backups I would doubt Lamar is going to play, but maybe, maybe. I mean, last year, I do want to point out last year, I believe the Ravens did beat the Bengals with mostly backups late in the season to hurt the Bengals and their chances for seeding. And I think that happened as well. But that would be the other path. And I think you tweeted out there could be a tie with Indy and Houston. Houston, If if Houston and Indy tie, then that would also also get in. Right. But either way, let's just talk wins and losses here and not complicate it. 
Bills mm-hmm. either have to win or rely on both Houston. I'm one one of I'm sorry Jacksonville or Pittsburgh to lose their games, and I wouldn't want to rely on that. That's for sure. No. Now, as far as you know, seeding and who they're going to play, the way it shakes out is the Bills cannot get the three seed, they cannot get the four seed, they cannot get the five seed. They either win mm-hmm. and they are the two. We know that, and then they're going to host someone other than Miami. If they get the two, Miami cannot be the seven. So the Bills would host probably uh, it Te- would be Texans or, or Colts it or Pittsburgh. Be, that's right. Yeah. The Bills, however, if they were to lose to Miami, they could still make the playoffs as a six or seven, and then they would go to either Kansas City or Miami. It could be back-to-back Miami trips. Yeah, absolutely. I think that also there is something to be said. I do not think Lamar is going to play in this game, or I don't think he's going to play the full game. But because right. they have already clinched the bye, don't you think it's a little risky to yes. not play for back-to-back weeks the way you're yes. coming right now? It almost feels like what the Bills did when they actually eliminated the Dolphins in week 17 or 18 a couple of years ago, because Agreed. even though they were the two seed and they did not have the bye, they had their starters play the first half because they did not want them to get rusty and their starters absolutely went off. So maybe that's the way they think. And they go, hey, if we've got some nicks and bumps and bruises, we've got a bye week anyway to get ourselves right because we want to make sure that we're still clicking. Or they just say, hey, we don't think the risk is worth it. We're going to play Tyler Hunley. We're going to play whoever on the line, whoever as our wide receivers. It's an interesting one. I, I think that it's it's tough. This is going back to this is why that whole New York Times and ESPN playoff yeah. machines. They're so because a couple weeks ago when the Browns played whoever they played, there was a game. It was the Browns Texans, I think. And you could make the argument either way that, oh, you want the Texans to win or oh, you want the Browns to win. Well, now, because the Browns have a spot clinched, there's one less spot even up for grabs. And I don't know. I don't know what's good. Just win, right? Just win. Well, you control your own yeah. destiny. And I do want to make the point. I apologize. The, the Bengals did actually win that game against the Ravens last year. I do want to look, though. The Ravens did not play Lamar last year, but the Ravens didn't have the one seed. Like you said, that could uh-huh. be the difference here because they're already going to have that bye. And, you know, you don't know. But last year, the Bengals actually did wind up being. And maybe it was the Bengals who didn't have as much to play for. Either way, I remember there was something like that. I don't want to confuse myself or any of the listeners out there. Now, let's talk about times of games. We don't know. We're at 9.06 right now. We don't know. It hasn't been announced by the league. All right. I mean, people will know anyway. Do you predict Bill's Dolphins Sunday night because of everything on the line? Yeah, I think what's going to happen. And if this podcast comes out and we're completely wrong, then we're completely wrong. I'm wrong. assuming. I'm wrong every day. That about it'll, yeah, exactly. I think it'll be Colts, Texans on Saturday night. Mm-hmm. And then I think that the Jags and Steelers will play at 4.30. And then I think it'll be Bills, Dolphins in primetime on Sunday Night Football because the storylines are just way too intriguing. If the Bills potentially can lose and miss the playoffs completely, then it's basically a playoff game for the Bills. And I think that's very interesting. If even both teams are already in, the idea of having the two seed up for grabs in the AFC is also super intriguing. So I, I do think that, and also, this is TV. You want good TV. You know who makes good TV? Josh Allen and Tua, more so yes. than Gardner Minshew and CJ Stroud, no disrespect. Or even if it's an NFC game, are they really going to put the Vikings 
and Jer- and then go against the Lions. That's another game that's like for seeding and potentially if they could win or the Packers. So I, I really do think it's going to be Bills on Sunday Night Football. All right. We asked for some of your questions. And can I ask one other thing? Yes. Go one ahead. other thing about the Dolphins. Jalen yes. Waddell missed this game. Raheem mm-hmm. Mostert missed this game. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Mostert seems like one that could linger into next week, but it sounded like Waddle kind of could, right? I don't think he practiced yeah, Waddle has high ankle sprain, and usually that's at least four, sometimes six to eight weeks. But I like Waddle. I mean, four weeks, let's just say. I mean, I, I'd be I'd be surprised if he came back next week, but I don't know. It, when everything's on the line, sometimes you, you push it a little bit. That would be risky, though, if they were to do that and he were to aggravate it for the playoffs. So I agree with that. Mostert, as you said, um, so, well, as you brought up this week, I it doesn't doesn't sound necessarily like that would linger, but who knows? You never know with these injuries. The other thing I'll bring up is real quick. I don't know if you know the situation, but they were down thirty when Chubb got hurt, and McDaniel's taking a little bit of fire for that. Yeah, for sure, I saw that, and I also think they were down pretty big when Jalen Phillips got hurt, right? Or they were up pretty big. It felt like both of those injuries. Oh happened. yeah, that's. The I don't want to say in meaningless parts of games, but parts of games when maybe those guys should not be on the field. I think when Tua got hurt, they kept him out of the rest of the game on Sunday because it was already done. The game was already over. But yeah, I mean, Chubb would be a... If you've got that team without Jalen Phillips and Chubb, that would be like the Bills playing without Leonard Floyd and Greg Rousseau. DeAndre asks at Sal Sports and at Matt underscore Bove on Twitter. He says, while you're on the sidelines, Sal, I'll ask you this, Matt. You've been down there, and I think it's just a general question anyway. Do you see the QB or head coach, QB coach or head coach, laying into Allen after turnovers, um, poorly placed balls, or turn turn downs? I don't know what that means. I understand he's great, but everyone needs to be coached, including Allen. Well, no, I mean, I mean, there's times where you'll see Josh or the coach, you know, Sean McDermott say something or – you know, it doesn't, I don't want to say lay into him like Brian Dable did his rookie year. Mm-hmm. I mean, Josh knows, Josh knows, you know, let me tell you something. Yes. Josh gets coached. Sean McDermott doesn't have to lay into Josh Allen about something on the sidelines. Josh knows when he makes a mistake. Now it's also, there's a game going on, right? I mean, you gotta, mm-hmm. you get caught up in that stuff. You're not coaching if you're doing that, but I will tell you because Sean McDermott tells us every week how much he talks to, to Josh and understands that he says, Josh knows, Josh knows he does know. So Matt, Matt, my answer is I don't see it, but I don't need to see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think that there is something to be said, though. Like Brian Dable felt like he could unlock Josh Allen and also could lay into him when he mm-hmm. needed to tell him that, like, hey, you're hurting the team right now. You need to calm down. That's the entire conversation specifically of should the offensive coordinator be in the booth or should they be out on the field? Because when they're down on the field, you obviously get that face-to-face interaction and you can have those conversations. But if you're up in the booth, as Joe Brady has obviously decided and a lot of others have decided, you could just see the game better and you can plan a game better. And then that comes down to the quarterback coach and – for a while, that was Ken Dorsey. Ken Dorsey would be the guy down on the field and Brian Dable would be the one up in the booth. So, yeah, the, the he knows. I, I don't know if he needs it. I don't know if somebody needs to be yelling at him when he's making mistakes. I also do think, though, there are times when it's warranted and maybe it would make him. I don't want to say... I don't want to say play scared because that's certainly not what you want, but be more al- accountable a little bit about those mistakes. Well, I don't think that Sunday was necessarily a day you had to lay into him about anything. Um, he had an interception. It was not a great decision, but he's trying to make something happen. I mean, 
it was a bad play. It was a bad, you know, I mean, bad those throw. things again, probably more bad decision than bad throw. Right. I mean, you, you just, you just can't throw that ball. You can't throw that. Yeah, ball. You can't throw the ball. The ball, the ball wasn't like poorly placed. It was just a bad decision. So mm-hmm. maybe I guess on that one, especially cause it was first down and long, it wasn't third down. It wasn't like a arm punt necessarily, but you know, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll always bring this up, Matt. You can lay in them and tell them, don't do this. Don't do that. Well, guess what? Then there's going to be a play like he flips to Khalil Shakir. And you take mm-hmm. that away from him, maybe. And you don't want to take those plays away from him either. No, no. You got you, you to gotta live and die with it, right? There's times when it's spectacular. Yeah. And there's times when it's like, what the heck did you do that for? But I think if you eliminate the really egregious mistakes, you also probably eliminate most of the really jaw on the floor plays that he is capable of making. And for as bad as Josh was on Sunday, I will give him credit because on those last few drives, he was good. He threw a gorgeous pass to Khalil Shakir when they were backed up second and 14. They take a sack or they lose a couple yards on a play. And then he hits Shakir for that big play that kind of got them out of their own end of the field and then allowed them to punt it and pin the Patriots deep. And then they get the ball back again. He hits Shakir on a crucial play. He made a couple nice run plays on the ground. He picks up the first down. So for all of the bad, there once again was some good at the end of the game and that was the same thing we saw against the Chargers where there was some bad but then when it mattered the most he was good alright let me get a couple more and then we're going to end this uh, podcast it's always game day in Buffalo thanks for listening subscribe please also check us out on video at Sal Sports on YouTube Rook says odds the Dolphins concede the, concede the division rest starters if the Bills go up big early in the game if the Bills are um, up big, are the, when, do the Dolphins wave the white flag? When does that happen? My answer, I'll tell you what I think. I don't think at all. That they wait, they're they're too explosive. They would not do that. No, absolutely. That's not a team that should ever be. I guess that goes back to your point about Bradley Chubb and why was he in the game? Thirty yeah. points is excessive, and especially defensively. But as long as they have Tyree Kill, as we saw with Kansas City, it takes one play for that guy to go. 50 yards, 60 yards, 70 yards, 80 yards, and burn you for a touchdown. Jalen Waddell is also the same way. If he's unavailable, that's another big blow for the Dolphins. Yes. But no, I, I don't think that there's any chance that they're conceded. This is the difference between potentially multiple home games in the playoffs, and you. that's valuable. That's very valuable, and that's the same thing for the Bills. If they end up as the two seed, you are not traveling until at the earliest the AFC championship, which is, I you know, as good as it gets, obviously, besides being the one seed. Eric Allen tweets it. Where does Rasul Douglas rank in midseason additions, both under this regime and all time to the best of your recollection? I mean, under this regime, he's number one easily, right? Midseason additions. Calvin Benjamin of- didn't really do much. No. Um, they, sorry. I mean, even... Even signing someone as opposed to trading for someone, I can't think of no. anyone who's had a bigger impact. In fact, I think it is one of the best midseason editions of all time. The only one that would be right up there for me and maybe is actually probably more meaningful is when they traded for Cornelius Bennett on Halloween night, you know, when he his rookie year before he signed. He played his first game in Buffalo in a Bills uniform. He was unsigned because Cornelius Bennett went on to help the team go to four Super Bowls. And that year, I would say, though, he didn't help them make the playoffs. They went... Seven and eight. It was a strike short in 15 game season. But Cornelius Bennett might be the best, biggest midseason addition this organization has ever had. Rasul Douglas might be the most impactful for one year. 
that they got him that year. What was the deal with Cornelius Bennett? I, I don't know the Cornelius history Bennett here. was drafted by the Indianapolis Colts in 1987. He refused to sign with them. He did not want to sign a contract. Um, so at the trade deadline, which happened to be Halloween night, the Bills, the Rams, and the Colts made a three-way deal. And that's when the Rams traded Eric Dickerson, one of the all-time great running backs, to the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts traded Cornelius Bennett, his rights, to the Buffalo Bills. The Bills traded Greg Bell, a good running back, to the Rams, but also two first-rounders and a second-rounder to the Colts to help get Cornelius Bennett in that deal. He, he was that good? They gave up all that stuff for him? Like prior- and, they should have, and, 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 and they maybe it, it turned out that they could have given up more because that's how great he was. How I knew he was good because you know yeah. I'm from he's here. borderline Hall of Famer. He didn't make the Hall of Fame, but yes, he so he was an incredible. How, how early of a pick was he? He was a first round pick who refused to play the for the Colts. Second pick overall, maybe I'll have to say yes. Oh, he no kidding. Yes. Oh, okay. I did not know that he was like that highly regarded prior to even joining the Bills. I didn't even know that he was not drafted by the Bills. I just assumed that he was in kind of that window of 85 to 90 when they just loaded up on all those super talented players. That's interesting. Thank you you for the history lesson. Second overall pick. And uh, they were unable to come to a contract, and that's when they wind up trading him. And if you go back and look, Matt, the picks that came out of that all turned out to be pretty much average at best NFL players. Was back in the, I don't want to say back in the day, but in that era, were picks not as highly regarded or valued as they are now? No, they definitely were. They definitely were. There was a big debate. There were people saying, like, I can't believe you traded that much. And for a linebacker, right? But he was a pass rusher, a linebacker. And I would say that position and even off-ball linebackers may be more valued that you'd give up that um, back then. But people were thinking the Bills gave up way too much. And Greg Bell, Matt, they also gave up Greg Bell a 1,000-yard running back in the deal to go the other way to um, the Rams. And um, the next year they drafted Thurman Thomas. So obviously that helped, but yeah, he was high, that highly regarded. I would say that was the greatest midseason addition in the history of the organization for what he meant. I think Russell mm-hmm. Douglas is right there now, as far as what he means for this team to, Matt, to, to lose Tredavious White and get this guy in the middle of the season. Yeah. is unbelievable. And you get him and, and you have him next year. And potentially yes, longer than right. that. He's still under contract. Yeah. That's what makes the Rasul Douglas edition so impressive is that it's not just whatever happens this season. It's also you have a legit bona fide guy yep. next year and then potentially down the road if they decide to sign him to a contract extension. And I have no reason to believe that won't be a conversation because he's been that good. All right. Before we leave, you were in the post game locker room. I mean, sorry, press conference. Josh mm-hmm. Allen got banged up on his last play, the last run. He uh, went to the sidelines. Kyle Allen came in. What did Josh have to say about his injury? I am finding the exact quote, so I do not get it wrong. So I posted it. Allen said everything is okay with shoulder. Said it was a little stinger. He's never felt that before. And quote, we are good to go. So I think we should be good to go. Or he the most amazing part about that to me is he's never had a stinger. Like if you play football, you generally are good, especially offensive football in a position that gets hit, you're going to get a stinger. And that sucks. I mean, it can be, you know, way worse. And thankfully for Micah Hyde to come back, it it hasn't been. But to never have a stinger playing football at the quarterback position is wild to me. I mean, a stinger, people, let me put it this way. If you don't know what a stinger is, so you know how sometimes you turn your neck one way and it literally feels like you got stung by a thousand bees down your neck and spine? Yeah. 
it's what a, a stinger basically feels like in a lot of ways in football, but it's more painful because you get hit and you feel it and it's just painful and you can't kind of move and it's a little, and you worry like, okay, I can't move it here. It's, um, it's sore and that's happening. That's what a stinger basically is. Well, a stinger is actually a sub and it's a steak and chicken finger sub. That is what a stinger is. So what you just described is factually inaccurate because we're talking about stingers in Buffalo. Yes. That is what people are referring to. And usually they are being consumed at two, three, four o'clock in the morning. So that's when a stinger is good. Is that what you're going to have for New Year's Eve to celebrate? No, no, a stinger? no, 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 no. I'm going are you to staying up here. tonight. Until probably, like, I mean, until after they announce the game times and then you're going to yes. like, let's say that happens at, 11 o'clock, you're staying for another hour to, for the ball to drop. I, I will be awake until the Sunday night football game ends yep. unless I am going to lose. And then I, I won't be able to go to bed because I'll just okay. be miserable. And I like I take fantasy football way too seriously and it'll completely ruin my night if I end up losing. So I'll stay awake for the entire Sunday night football game. And then at that point, I'm already awake. It's 11.15. It's 11.20. I'll watch the ball drop, and I'll just kind of basically hang out until that point. Wow. Maybe have a cel- maybe have a celebratory cocktail for the end All of right, this I year. Like yeah. I don't know. How about you? Do you stay up? Not as much these days. I can't. I usually generally have it on as I'm falling asleep. But I'll watch until I know the, the time of the, the game week 18. And then it'll be like, if I make it, I make it. If I don't, I don't. I think that's what it'll be for me this year. I I, I have to work in the morning. I got to be on with Jeremy and Joe at 7 a.m. And then I got to do my show from 10 to 12. Yeah, because it's a Buffalo football Monday. It's on New Year's Day, so we're doing that, yeah. Okay. Um, we moved our show from New Year's Day. Well, obviously, because ABC has the yeah. college football games, so those are, those are big time. So we moved our show until Tuesday. I've never been a New Year's guy. I hate New Year's. I don't know why. I've just always been somebody who like gets weirdly kind of, I don't want to say depressed, but like really like lethargic and kind of emotional on New Year's. I don't know why. I just have always been that way. And what's that song that people play on New Year's? I hate that song. Old Lang Syne. Yeah, that yeah. one. I've gone yeah. to, by the way, I've gone to Times Square for New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. Gotta be honest with you. Glad I did it. and Don't think I'd ever do it again. I'll tell you this. Today, when we were recording this, New Year's Eve, December 31st, is the six-year anniversary of the Bills ending the drought. Yes. You were in Miami for when they ended the drought. I think the only place... I don't want to say better, but maybe as good as where I was, which was in McFadden's Bills Backers Bar in New York City, because I was there covering the Winter Classic the next day on New Year's Day. But after the Sabres practiced that morning, New Year's Eve morning, I went to McFadden's. There was a line wrapped around the bar a block away. I waited in that line to meet up with friends. I got in during the second quarter. I watched the Bills win that game, and then I watched everything happen with a full capacity bar. And people, uh, Sal, I'm not exaggerating when I say people were sobbing, people were jumping on the bar, people were hugging. It was unbelievable. It is one of my favorite sports memories to be there. And then, because I'm there for work, I call the station, and I'm like, hey, I got all this video from inside this bar. This is great. They're like, completely forget, scrap the Sabres stuff. Just get reaction. All those reaction from right there. And then the next day, of course, the Sabres lost in the Winter Classic. That's what they do. 
Yeah. I remember going in the locker room and the celebration was incredible. And I have a, a phone up and I'm walking through the locker room to show it. And then getting off the plane was incredible. I have phone, I have footage of that, just getting off the plane and the, and you know, the celebration, it was like 2 AM. And then Peter King called me to say, you got to tell me more about this and wrote a story in sports illustrated. It was great. That's so cool. So, what a, what a moment, um, what a moment for Buffalo sports. Ah, uh, it's great. Well, we'll see what happens next week, week 18 in Miami. All right. We'll find out in a little while when the Bills are playing Sunday night. You'll know by the time you listen to this podcast. Hey, uh, from Mike Robbie, our producer, happy new year to everyone out there. We hope you really enjoy your New Year's Eve and into New Year 2024. And Matt, we obviously thank everybody for being with us throughout the entirety of the calendar 2023 season. Yeah, thank you so much. It's only a couple of years we've been doing this. We've got exciting things planned for 2024. Obviously, we'll see how far the Bills go. We'll see where this season takes us because it has been a pretty crazy ride. And hopefully 2024 is another year of growth for the show, growth for us individually, and a great year of, like I said, health and happiness, health and happiness for everybody that is listening. Happy New Year, everybody.